my mic isn't working that well, so I'm going to have to yell. Uh, but uh, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, guys. We've got a good one. Uh, before we get into the show, i to plug our sponsor, FaceFaceGames.com, the number one place to get your Magic of the Gathering singles. Not the place to get your furniture, as you can see, always an empty room behind me, as Andy would comment. But this episode is exciting because I was able to convince Rob to join us, to pry him away from his stupid M19, meaningless M19 drafts, to come join us. And maybe you can give some tips on sealed. Some, some people actually have relevant M19 stuff uh, that they want to play. Sergio posted in the nation for some help. I see Rob, you've already responded. Welcome back, Rob. How's it going? My busy, busy man. Thanks. Yeah, I feel like it's been a really long time. <laughs> it's got to be at least a month. I, I have no idea. Times of blur to me right now. I just, I move from day to day and I don't really, really realize what's going on. We've got Andy, as usual, uh, our new consistent man, constantly killing it and uh, coming up with some, some more five-color humans content a year. Is that, is that right, Andy? Yeah, I just recorded a video for it. Uh, just my my thoughts on why Militia Bugler is just the, exactly what the archetype wants and answered some talking points on uh, some cards that people don't seem to be that sure of in the decks. Wait, I actually can't, can't wait to watch it. Uh, and we got someone that should have been introduced at some point in any of my content, uh, someone who has contributed to Man of the Pride for years and years, actually one of the main honchos behind the cyborg guys behind the first strike nation which you can join at patreon.com slash first strike to support the show um man just someone that that's been there from the beginning through all of my projects since he moved from jesse smith 60 cards.com and he just recently top aided start a star city games classic with what rob thinks is a huge stinker jay lansdow how's it going jay that's gone pretty well. Yeah. Um, like I said, just uh, got a second classic top eight with my pet deck in modern. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to, to tell the people about this, this, this little brew. <laughs> uh, when usually we share some notes or, or some messages before the show, I posted Jay's link result from, from the SEG, and Rob was, how does this deck, like, whose deck is this? How does this even win? <laughs> Um, and but we'll get into that. Uh, first of all, let's get to the first topic at hand, which is the hottest topic on Reddit uh, right now, or at least one of today, uh, which is the title is Bram Thomas, winner of GP Pittsburgh, still hasn't paid his opponent to split the agreed on before the finals. And his opponent happens to be Oliver Tew. And he also tweeted, Bram Thomas is a well-known scammer, thief, and cheater in his local area. I was recently a victim of his greed and dishonesty after splitting with him in the finals of GP Pittsburgh. He owes $2,500 for it, but I haven't received a single dollar. Instead, just got excuses and lies. And uh, prior to that, uh, Oliver had tweeted, the fact that Watsi doesn't facilitate high-level splits is such a joke. I split the finals of GP Pittsburgh, and I still haven't gone paid back it's a very frustrating stressful process when you have to rely on very unreliable people and there's like a text message exchange between him and uh bram where oliver has named them owes me 2500 on his android phone um how am i supposed to interpret that it, it, this is the conversation like i talked to you second to last round and you said you go to the bank just put yourself in my shoes which bram replies i'm not going to pay you anything unless you delete everything you've posted 
If you're going to make that the narrative, then let it be real. I've been trying to get you money that you're lucky to even get as a one the event anyway. So lots of, lots of fire. Um, Andy, let's go to you for, for your first reaction, your first take. My, my first strike as it is. I, uh, had, I, just, I don't know. It's, it's bad that Watsi doesn't facilitate these kind of splits because this kind of thing is going to happen all the time because they're trying to like mitigate the enormous variance in like the prize difference between these places. And like when you're trying to be a magic professional, like mitigating these like $5,000 differences could really matter to you. And I, I don't know if it has something to do with the gambling, but my, my God, Watsi should facilitate some of these splits. It's going to happen no matter what. And it, like, instead of making like this weird backdoor exchange where Oliver too a well-known professional just could just get ripped off $2,500 by this guy. Like just split the prizes yourselves. They like, you know, they did it. Like you had, like judges are around during these conversations anyway, to like prove that these, that there was no like collusion or anything like that. They didn't bribe him. So why can't they just facilitate the split? I don't understand. I think that's most of our, our takes on here. Uh, Jay, do you have experience with other people facilitating spits? Like at the SCG level, what do they do? Um, well, so I believe that in the opens, um, uh, SCG is helpful with facilitating splits. Um, I know that in the classic that I played, um, they don't facilitate uh, splits there. I think it's because they, you know, the, the, the prizes there are just prize wall tickets. But they do try to be somewhat helpful in that they give away, give you the prize tickets on cards in specific amounts that make it easy to split them. So that way, at least you know you're not trying to like cut them up at the prize wall uh, stand. So they're trying to be helpful as much as they probably are allowed to, you know, by Watsi, because I'm pretty sure that they are the ones currently keeping everything to like don't you know. I don't know why, but it seems to be coming from there. Rob? Yeah, Wizards is just always slow to, to implement basically any change for anything, right? So hopefully uh, Oliver's intention was to use this as a platform to get real change in effect. And, I don't know, complaining on Twitter and then having a bunch of people retweet it seems to be the best way to get Watsi's attention. So, <clears throat> I mean, if this um, helps uh, Channel Fireball or, Wa- or or Wizards move to a model where they can facilitate splits among players in the top eight, or I guess anywhere in the tournament for that matter, um, easily and fairly, then I think I think that's an improvement. I feel bad for Oliver though; he's like a student, so getting busted for twenty five hundred bucks is probably not nothing. Yeah, the the crazy thing about it too is like now that he's put this guy on such blast, there is no way he's gonna pay him. So he threw away like any chance he gets paid to like really put the message out. I think. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I feel like he 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 clearly made the conscious decision that was like this guy's never gonna pay me. Screw it. I'm just putting him on blast. I don't care. I, it's basically sunk cost to him at this point. I feel like. Yeah. yeah, the important part, like the real point of no return, is like showing the text messages of the conversation. Really, like showing how sleazy this other guy is. Like, there's no repairing that. There's no like, all right, fine, I'll pay you. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Everyone already thinks you're a dick. You might as well make twenty five hundred bucks. 
<laughs> Andy, I, I hear like pre-show. Maybe you can elaborate. That there were maybe some scorching hot takes that this might have been Oliver's fault. Oh, yeah, there was some scorching hot is one way to put it. They were bad. It's like they're saying that, like, well, that's what you get for not figuring out who you're splitting with in the finals of a GP. And, like, it's just victim blaming Oliver for, like, not background checking his opponent before the finals of a Magic the Gathering tournament. Like, what's he really supposed to do? Like, he's trying to mitigate some of his losses, and obviously he got caught in potentially the most awkward situation that you could, which is a split in a big level event where there's a lot of money on the line. You just got to hope the guy transfers it to you. You're right. You're right. Like, how these kind of splits um, between like international people, right? Like sometimes that's not super easy either. Like wiring money from one country to another, there might be fees associated, et cetera. It would be so much easier. Lots somehow figured out how to facilitate this. Yeah, uh, there came a situation where like we were there was a split that happened between a friend and s- some other people at a high level event, and they're trying to figure out if they should send the pre tax money or the post tax money because in Canada we can get that back if we like file some certain paperwork, but it's it's actually a very hassle filled process honestly to do it. But like, do they expect like them? Let's say it's a thousand dollars, and I get five hundred, you get five hundred. And I won all thousand. Am I supposed to send you five hundred, even though I only won seven hundred dollars because I got taxed three hundred dollars? What am I supposed to do? Do you split it after? Do you split it before? It's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> like you oh. get to nickel and dime these people you've never met before because you don't really want to give them an extra hundred bucks. Every every process that starts with. Should I include the pre-tax income or post-tax income for the, for this agreement? Means that there can be some improvement in the process. <laughs> you never want to have that conversation with someone. Uh, Jay, you you have mentioned like how how it might be different, difficult to wire. I, I used to think that uh, everyone had PayPal at this point, but but I was wrong. Even when. Um, a friend of mine wanted to buy action from me. He lives in the, in the States for, for my Las Vegas Golden Knights bet. And I'm like, hey, just just PayPal me or whatever. And he was like, you know, I, I don't have PayPal. I, I hate that. I, I use like Venmo and all these different things that as a Canadian, I've never heard of or used. So it can be more difficult. I assume like everyone used PayPal by now. I mean, well, isn't Venmo part of PayPal as well? So like... Yeah, not having PayPal is kind of weird, but if, you, if you're sending large amounts of money, doesn't PayPal also, like, take part of that? Like, can you, can you send that much money, like, as, you know, a gift to friends and family even? Like, I don't know how that... I've never tried to internationally wire money through PayPal, I guess, for not large amounts. And do you split the pre- or post-PayPal fee amount? <laughs> Exactly. You yeah. send them enough that they, they receive like the actual amount. Eventually, you're just like losing money when you win the tournament. But uh, yeah. as far as I know, Oliver Two's opponent banned from PayPal. <laughs> I think that was also a point. He's like, I can't PayPal it to you. My account's been suspended. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, just the perfect cherry on top. I'm really, really a piece of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's let's jump uh, into the next topic. Let's talk about modern. Um, 
I'm sure like Derek is preparing for standard. A lot of people uh, that we could have had on as guests are, are prepping for, for PT25, for standard, modern, and legacy. Obviously, they can't really give anything away. Um, I'm going to be rooting for Derek. I've got a, my friend, HH, local friend who has a team, and then he's heading there. You know, a few friends, a few teams to cheer for. But this past weekend, you know, there was some, some SCG action, and our friend Jay actually played Watts many many rounds of magic it didn't start out that well though so tell us about uh actually just tell about what deck you played and and why did you pick that deck okay so i played a four color sahili combo which is kind of a it's a basically a green white creature deck uh that has the Felder guardian just uh Felder guardian sahili rai combo uh that you know people played in standard um and uh, the reason I picked this deck is because it's a deck I very much enjoy playing. It reminds me a little bit of both Birthing Pod and Splinter Twin, which I both really enjoyed playing when those were legal. Um, you have a bunch of value creatures. You have an instant combo, uh, not instant speed, but like a you know, combo. Put two cards together and you win immediately. Um, and I... Played it in uh, Atlanta, the Star City Games Open there. That was a team event uh, that I didn't do very well in with my team, but I played the Sahili deck in the Classic, and I found it to be very good against humans. Um, now with Ugler making humans a lot stronger, um, I figured, and there was a lot of hype on Twitter and the Star City Games articles, you know, obviously on here, our first strike group on Facebook. So I figured I'd see a lot more humans. Um, so I wanted to play a deck that had a, a reasonable or good matchup there. Um, and I wanted to... I like playing creature decks. And this was a creature deck that could hang with decks like Tron, which I would otherwise immediately lose to whenever I registered green-white creatures. So that's kind of why I chose this deck. I ended up playing no human decks, no KCI the whole weekend, which were the two decks that I expected about the most of, and that were indeed very popular. Just happy to dodge all of them. How, how does the humans matchup play out? Why, why do you think it's so good for you? So um, mostly the fact that uh, their interaction is based on them knowing what your deck does. Uh, so like. With Kytale Freebooter, obviously, they can look in your hand and take cards, but you don't have that many spells they can take. Uh, their other interaction, Meddling Mage, they actually they have to know what to name. So um, if they have no idea what your deck does, they will often name the wrong things. Like I've had multiple cards named that were not in my deck at all, like Collected Company, those kind of things. Um, and you do a pretty good job of locking up the ground. Like Voice of Resurgence is a very good blocker. Um, you can put on you can put a lot of creatures on the board pretty quickly, which makes the voice tokens big enough to fight things like Champion of the Parish that might otherwise you know get out of hand. Uh, you have your own reflector mages um, to hold off their stuff. Mantis Rider is a problem. Uh, it flies, not a lot of your guys flying. So if they have a heavy Mantis Rider draw, you can definitely lose. But overall, you do a good job locking down the ground, and then you can often combo off. At some point, especially if they don't see it coming, makes it uh, a, a reasonable to good matchup, I think, for the deck. Did you mention if KCI was a good matchup? 
I'm not sure if that's a good matchup, but at the very least, it's a uh, since the deck can combo very fast. If you have a combo draw, so uh, the deck can have a pretty value based draw with just voices of resurgence and like renegade rallying goes um, back into play and just build up a wide board. But if you have a combo draw with Lotus Cobra, Renegade Rallier, Sahili, and Eldritch Evolution, or Felidar Guardian, you can combo people people as quickly as turn two. So you can try to race KCI, uh, KCI and uh, with the help of some sideboard cards, you might be able to slow them down long enough uh, to even find your combo if you, know, you don't immediately start with it in hand. So your game one is a little iffy because you might draw the wrong half of your deck. But after board, it definitely helps. Uh, and a couple extra hit pieces to find your combo, and then it's reasonable. Um, I haven't played enough of it because there's not that many people who like to play test KCI. <laughs> Figured I'd at least have a, a reasonable shot going into this event uh, to you know steal a match here and there, which was enough for me to play this. But you you have mentioned that you did not play either of those. Two decks that you expected to be in great numbers, but you still ended up performing well. So, so how was it? Like just people, like you said, not knowing what your deck was doing. They just yeah. Have no idea. I mean, obviously, whenever you do well in events, you have to get a little lucky. Um, so there were definitely spots where I drew well, uh, managed to uh, kill somebody on turn two through a tide hollow scholar. Um, my opponent was on the play. They played a turn two Tide Hollow Scholar. They were on the five color aggro deck that also um, made like top 16 or something in the classic. Um, they, I showed my hand after having played a Birds off the land, uh, which was Lotus Cobra, Fetch Land, um, an Eldritch Evolution, a Renegade Rallier, and a Reflector Mage, uh, and one more card I, that I don't quite remember. And they picked the Reflector Mage thinking, well, if I don't do that, then they're just, you know, I'm just going to play Reflector Mage and bounce their title scholar and get back whatever. Um, which I think is a reasonable choice, but I then ripped a Sahili, played the Lotus Cobra off of the birds in the land, played a fetch land, which with Lotus Cobra makes three mana, one for the fetch land coming into play, one for the land you fetch, and then when you tap that land, you have three mana. You play a Renegade Rallier, which gets back to fetch land, once again makes three mana. Play a Sahili, you copy your Renegade Rallier, which gets your fetch back. Once again, make three mana. Now play an Eldritch Evolution, sacrifice your Renegade Rallier, get a Felidar Guardian, link your Sahili, which then copies the Felidar Guardian, and the token has haste. The token links your Sahili, and you do this a bunch of times, and then he died. Um, it's a multi step combo, which also makes it sometimes hard to play against because people. Don't quite, you know, think through all the steps. You know, it's hard to sort of imagine what I have. So yeah, I mean, got lucky here and there. Uh, obviously, you know, ripping the Sahili pretty good there. Uh, I played against a lot of control decks, which I managed to outgrind. You know, do a lot of value uh, playing. And yeah, some people indeed just didn't know what I was playing against. I played against a Storm opponent who thought he had way more time than he had. Played against some Tron opponents who just randomly tapped out for things and then instantly died. So yeah. What well, was the time of the an example of, of the opponent not screwing up or, or was just solely you being insanely lucky in top deck? 
Um, so what was I your don't optimal think, choice? So I guess um, from my perspective, their optimal choice was probably taking Lotus Cobra. Uh, that significantly slows me down. Um, and then they have to probably hope to like draw a removal spell or something so that when I indeed play Reflector Mage and get back my Lotus Cobra, they can actually kill it. Um, or at least, you know, they can hold up mana for like a Lightning Helix or whatever removal spells they have to stop me from comboing. But if they, one, don't know I can combo, and two, you know, all these, for them, an Eldritch Evolution is a kind of a, it's a blank card, right? They have no idea what they could get. Um, so, you know, it's hard to put together, oh, I'm just going to die if I don't take either the Eldritch Evolution or the Lotus Cobra. Yeah, the Reflector Mage seemed pretty reasonable. Um, Rob, Rob, you think this deck is jacked, right? <laughs> yeah, for the most part. <laughs> I played against this deck a lot online uh, when I was playing Modern. Uh, I, what was that? That was like around GP Toronto time frame, I guess. So, four or five months ago. And I was not impressed with it, but I was playing like a lot of blue-red and Jeskai control uh, as I was testing for uh, for the GP, and I didn't feel like this deck had any game against decks with a little bit of counter magic and some instant speed removal. Um, but maybe, I guess if everyone's just also not interacting, then it's reasonable to have like a creature deck that can clog up the board and randomly combo your opponent out. So you do have a, a, fast, a fast path to victory if your opponent is just ignoring you. I'm just not sure that this is a better option than the tool, like the other tools that are already available. Like, I don't know if I would ever play this over humans, for example. You're probably like mostly winning the same matches, um, but I think you're a lot worse against like some of the different styles of control deck. But I guess if you run hot, then you just yeah, get people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there is that factor. <laughs> the reason I like this over... I, so I'm not going to say that this deck is better than humans, because I don't think it is. Um, I think it's a reasonable choice to pick here and there because of that sort of the, the combo um, and the fact, you know, that you're the surprise factor. Like, people will just make mistakes it's hard to play against. It's hard to imagine what I can do with a Lotus Cobra, even if I'm not comboing. A lot of people don't completely think through like what is possible on my turn if I untap with a Lotus Cobra. <clears throat> a lot of people, you know, play through uh, experience in modern. They know, oh, I see a bird. I gotta kill it. They'll kill the bird with their bolt, and then my Lotus Cobra lives. And suddenly, there's a glory bringer on turn three. But, you know. The, yeah, talk to me more about this Glorybringer choice. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, originally I had a Thrag Tusk in that slot, uh, which was kind of your stabilizer. Uh, you gain a bunch of life, and it, and it provides some value. Uh, if it dies, you get a token. You know, it's good in a lot of matchups. Um, I wanted to shore up the weakness that this deck has to Flyers. Lingering Souls tokens, uh, Mantis Rider... Those can be tough because they can keep your Planeswalker off the board and they can fly over your blockers. So I wanted something powerful at the top end um, that could either properly block flyers um, or get rid of some. Uh, Glorybringer with the Exert ability obviously can kill most Mantis Riders. Um, it's very good to copy with Sahili. 
making a copy that you can then exert and keep your real glory bringer unexerted and still killing one of their creatures is good. Also, just having the utility of being able to find a creature that can act as a removal spell off of your Eldritch Evolution is pretty, uh, pretty good. Um, it's a little hard to cast in the deck uh, because of the double red. You only have two fetchable red lands. You can obviously use birds and lotus covers to cast it. But one of the reasons I cut Kikijiki from the deck, which most people are playing, and have the Thalia's Lancers instead, is because it's really hard to make. To reliably make this mana, especially against decks like Jeskai, just electrolyze away all your you know, mana producers. Also leave in Field of Ruining your red source, and then you can just never cast it ever. Yeah, that's, so. that's interesting. I mean, I guess there is a 5-0 list in Competitive League Modern on, on Magic Online that is called Scred Dragons, and it is playing four Glorybringer and three Sark and the Firebloods, so... I guess Glorybringer might be broken in modern. <laughs> if Scred, if this Scred Dragons list can five zero, I believe that anyone's dreams are possible now. Yeah. <laughs> They've unlocked a lot of futures. <laughs> um, Jay, there, there's many. You mentioned like collect the copy cards like that that people thought that you had. Would you say your you like your version over all the different similar uh, decks that you have that might be playing? Stuff like like collected and and well, um, I like um, I like having instant win that not um, that at least not the the, the Naya colored decks have obviously devoted druid uh, combo is probably you know, at least as fast as my combo deck. Um, I just I don't like those, like the Devoted Druid combo decks as much because they're not as good, they don't have as good of a fallback plan. Like they don't act very well. You're kind of leaning a little heavier on your combo, I think, than um, my deck does. Um, I'm, I, the thing I try to do with my list is like I try to streamline it as much as possible. So I have four ofs of every card that I need to go off on turn two or turn three. Because um, a lot of the people who were playing similar lists to mine were shaving Lotus Cobras, or saw some lists that cut Renegade Rallyer entirely, which I think is bonkers because that's like the best card in the deck. Um, hmm. So I have four of all of those, and then I just have one of of like cards that I can fetch with an Eldritch Evolution or a Thalia's Lancers or stuff like that. So I I like my list. Um, I. I've basically I've played this deck in three big competitive tournaments now, um, which, and I don't play a lot outside of uh, events. I don't have a lot of time uh, to play outside of uh, like weekends, so I don't have enough experience, I think, to definitively say my deck is better than a, a collected company with devoted druid or any of the sort of more uh, Feature-based collected company lists like Band Spirits or the Knight of the Reliquary type decks, um, but I do think my deck is at least playable, uh, and I think it's a lot of fun. And you can definitely win some games with it because I've done a lot of that over the course of a couple of weekends. How's your matchup against uh, Infect? It's somewhat tricky. So I lost in the quarterfinals to Infect uh, to the eventual winner. Uh, the SEG Classic. Um, 
a guy named John Tashian. He uh, he's uh, a player that did very well in the Epic Card Game World Championships. He won twice in a row. Um, uh, won like fifty grand in over the course of two years in this like other card game. So he he knows his card games. Um, and he and I had been talking over the course of the weekend about my deck and what it was capable of, which uh, definitely hurt me in the, the quarterfinals because he was indeed keeping up mana. Uh, he has lots of you know, little ways to sort of interrupt my combo and like Vines of Vast wooded my Felidar Guardian once, which won in the game. He dismembered, you know, right in time. Um, and he drew his Blighted Agents both games. Um, Blighted Agent is very hard to block, uh, and my deck is generally good when it can block profitably. If you don't have Blighted Agent draws, I think it's fine. Uh, you can buy enough time to hopefully draw into your combo. If they have Blighted Agents or Distortion Strikes or Acre Claw Mirrors with Rancors on them, I think it gets, uh, gets significantly more difficult. So, yeah. Not my favorite matchup, especially not if the player who's playing it knows what they're doing and knows what I'm doing to joke around with my friends that my deck's good matchups are bad players and good players are the bad matchups. Yeah, I can see that being a true statement. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, I'll, I'll always associate Sohili with you just because it was like, are they banning it? Are they not banning it? And, and when you were buying a ton of it, I think, on MTGO, have you ever played something like this in modern? What do you think about this type of deck? Uh, let's get let's wrap up uh, Jay's funky deck. All right, so I did run this deck through uh, a couple leagues actually, because uh, I was once approached by someone who told me that this deck was very good, and they lied to me. <clears throat> it was like as Jay says, it's playable. But like, here's the thing with modern: it's like if your deck's tier two, tier three, tier one point five. Your deck is not actually that much worse than the other decks. It's still capable of doing broken things, which is like a baseline for what you should do at Modern. Like, would I recommend playing a deck like this at, uh, at a big tournament? No. But Jay is right about the fact that when people don't know what you're doing, you get a lot of free wins. And that's what happened with Devin when he was playing his devoted Druid uh, Vizier deck with Eldritch Evolutions and no collected companies. People are metal imaging collected company, and it's just they just never have it. and so I, I get it. I get why you'd want to play a deck like this, but like you should play something else unless you're just trying to have a good time. And this deck does do a lot of cool, funky things. It's about as not mean as I could be. I, I appreciate it. Thank you. I, I, think there's like, I think there is opportunity for this deck. I just don't know that this is the correct build. Like I, I would be very curious to see if a pro team tried to adopt this and tune it. Like if a lot would would change or not, and if it would become like where it's like, oh yes, obviously that is the build now. How have we not been seeing this for so many months? Where it's like Death Shadow and Junt, right? It's like yeah, obviously you just play this one man at ten ten. Like are people so stupid? Um, so I wonder if something like that that could happen with this list. I mean, it's just it's just like like Pod, right? It, it kind of like evolves a lot uh, over time in an iterative way. And this doesn't really have the adoption to do that, but I wonder if at some point uh, someone discovers something that is a little bit hidden, I guess, at, at, to, to the masses anyways, at this point. Could where be. The, where are the militia I don't think bugler- Sorry, the what? Where are the buglers at? 
Yeah, maybe, maybe it's the bugler. That's, we've all been missing the bugler. So I, uh, I did not hard playing bugler in this deck. Uh, the problem is that, in, at least in my list, it misses about half the action. The only thing you're getting are like mana dorks, and it misses rallier. That's gotta feel misses, terrible, right? Yeah, it misses rallier. It misses your top end, like the four fours. Um, so like you're just getting like birds, lotus cobra. Voices, which voice can be good, uh, but it depends on the matchup. And you're, then, tell, you're telling me acidic slime is not the action? It's <laughs> <laughs> well, more one of those, you know, I need something to answer a random thing. Not necessarily a powerhouse, I don't think. Role player, role player. It's a goddamn five drop. It should probably do something more than that. <laughs> I mean, I have a really special for, uh, for acidic slime. I, I really can't hate a deck too much when I see it in the list. Listen, I love to manage screw an opponent as much as anyone else, but you only play a one. It's, he, gets to, he gets to flash it with Sahili, man. And he gets, he, he's playing five. He's playing five. He has four Elder Evolution. Like, just give it the program, man. And three Guardians, so he's playing eight. Yeah. It's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of land destruction. It's an, it's easy. It's easy. I don't know. This top eight kind of makes me want to see if like uh, Obzon is a deck that doesn't suck right now uh, in this meta. I feel like some thought seizes and some paths and some lingering souls and some fatties could do reasonable things in how the meta game is shaping up, especially if Infect is going to be a real player going forward. Yeah, where where are those? Uh... Man, where are those decks at? Where are the Lingering Souls? They're all gone, man. They're all gone. The only Lingering Souls deck la- left is Marty Pyromancer. <laughs> the, uh, I missed you, Rob. That, that, how are people so stupid, Rant? Uh, typical, typical classic Rob ramble. Uh, <laughs> remind me, what was your conclusion for, with, with uh, Shaheen Surati? Did he call KCI? I mean, you were, you were on board also. You, you said that it was just hard to play online, right? You know, it's impossible to play online. I... I usually finish my matches, and I was doing nothing else. I totally focused on the match, right? So usually when I'm playing Moto, I'm, like, doing a couple other things, watching YouTube, editing some stuff, whatever, doing work, just kind of dicking around. With playing KCI, I was doing nothing but playing KCI. I was, like, a StarCraft level of clicks per minute, okay? (laughs) And still I would finish every match in a two-game set with less than 10 seconds on my clock. It was just... Very, very difficult to close it out. Um, and I, I, yeah, that's a very strong knock against the deck on, on Moto. And a lot of people play subpar builds with like Emrakul and that other nonsense. So they're like, oh, I can actually try and win maybe, but it's not representative of what's going on in the real world. But yeah, I'm totally in the camp of KCI in the hands of the best player in the tournament is the best deck for the event. I still feel that it's going to get... Something from that deck will be banned by the end of this year. I'm very sure of that. It feels... I played Amulet for a long time, and it feels very much like Amulet, where um, it's just way too hard to play, and it doesn't seem like it's breaking anything, but the same group of people will win every event week to week. Like, Matt and I top top eight, like, three GPs in a row or whatever, and won two of them or something ridiculous. Like, like what the hell? <laughs> Yeah, I hope I hope uh, Shaheen's playing it this weekend, and then he could say he called it. As, well, he did call it, and that something would be bad in that archetype. So, so 
Looking forward to hit. No, well, this this PT will be maybe a little bit different. The field will be likely less diverse just because there's less decks, right? Um, like there's less people playing modern. Um, so it it might be we might have a very small, very small meta game of just like <laughs> KCI humans hollow one, and then like a few people on the fringes playing like you know some desk I control some Tron or whatever because that's what they do, but. Uh, I don't know if that changes the way people will sideboard or prepare their sideboard rather. Yeah, throwback to the Antiquities War. Slam four of in the sideboard of KCI. Yeah, I never, <laughs> I never got a chance to really test to see if that if that plan was not garbage. <laughs> it, spoiler: It was. It was. <laughs> Unfortunate. I mean, like Abzan and Jund are dead, so like those, that, that's kind of the matchup where you you actually want that. Some people are playing the Psy Master Thopterist, and also bad, but some people are playing it. <laughs> I mean, I guess you just go off. <laughs> you seen people play uh, Salvage Titan yet? Salvage I Titan? I don't know what that card I does. I have to look that card out. Yeah, you give me a second here. <laughs> Is it you can sack stuff to cast it? Yeah, it's, a, uh, it's good against Stony Silence-ish. Oh, so you can sack three artifacts to cast it, and then you can just sack three artifacts. No, remove three artifacts in your graveyard from the game to return it to from your graveyard to your hand. Oh, I see. Interesting. Recursive six four beat down plans. Yeah, this card's obviously broken. It's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> All right. To wrap up our uh, our modern chat, I mean, Andy, you talked about uh, as Edgar would pronounce him, militia burgers. Uh, you pumped up all the way, and uh, has anything changed for you to become even more hyped about them? Militia, this delicious militia mm-hmm. burgers. Well, so if someone told you that you're playing a tier one deck in modern, and that I'll give you for free, you get to play this card in your deck. It makes all of your bad matchups better, and none of your good matchups worse, and some of them even better. If I said you're allowed to play this card, would you play it? You would, and you would play four. So why aren't people playing four Militia Buglers yet? They just can't. They're not ready to cut the sacred cows of the deck. So what happened is there's like a 58-card stock list of humans, and there was two flex slots, and people are still just so afraid to cut two more cards for one of the best cards in the deck. Well, Malcontents was the original replacement for Bugler, I guess, right? Yeah, it was Malcontents and Resto, or like Malcontents and Dark Confidant. There was two, like... Everyone agreed we're flex slots. And yep. and they just people just are so afraid to cut some of the other cards because they've been playing all of them for so long. So what are your cuts? Like uh one reflector uh, mage, one phantasmal image, easy peasy. Image is awkward in a lot of spots. And uh, reflector mage, you honestly there's a very few decks you really, really want it against. And Bugler will help you find them for the key turns anyway. Like it's worse against Affinity and Infect to have uh like to be finding your reflector mages, but whatever those matchups are really dependent on a couple cards. So, yeah, I think that makes sense. Bugler's kind of like, um, like an anticipate or or like serum visions or brainstorm type of card for that deck, right? Where like you can just play less of the non-critical cards, and then if you need them, it just helps you find them when yeah, the time like, is right, so you don't get clogged with a bunch of nonsense. Yeah, some people are cutting like a meddling mage, and I think that's crazy because like. 
if there's a card you're like super digging for, Metal Image is almost always it, right? Like it's like the the mega linchpin in a bunch of matchups. So yeah. I think that you gotta play four. It's like one of the reasons the deck functions against things that would slaughter it. Yeah, I agree. Have, I, I like to play against Tron without Metal Image. My God, is it uh, is it awkward with the Mantis Riders now, or is that just like not a factor because everything else is a hit? It, it's like. It 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 sucks that it doesn't hit Manus Rider, but whatever. You like all your other cards are great. They need to print like a three mana two three. What what, what oh. it attacks? It gets plus one plus zero. Exactly. <laughs> so the buglers were sold out at the uh, SEG event by the end of Saturday, I believe. Uh, the <laughs> games could not, you know, couldn't bring enough apparently. Yeah, I took out a big time. load. I had to get it done. I had to get them all. <laughs> Is, is militia bugler foil like really expensive now? No, there is a there is a promo for whatever game day is now. I think or something release. Thor oh, championship. Normal normal foils like core nineteen foils are eight dollars out of stock at SCG. Wow, the market. We've that's value. It. That's value right there. <laughs> Some guys, there's more of these just lying around people's chaff than probably anything else. <laughs> Rob, are you skeptical about the card at all, being a four of, or are you completely on board? No, I, I think it makes sense. It's just like, um, you know, like playing like Elvish Visionary and Elves or whatever. It's like not a critical piece to do anything, but it just helps you like churn through your deck and get to the things that matter in each match, right? So sometimes Meddling Mage is not what you want. It's like you need Thalia or you need a Reflector Mage or you need, I don't know, whatever. I don't even know what's in the deck anymore. Or, or some other nonsense. Um, it just helps you find that, right? And then uh, you're just stuck with the two to three vigilance. It's also just annoying that you just get it for free. So uh, <laughs> it slows down the deck a little bit. It's probably a little bit worse against Tron now. I would expect, if anything, but like it's probably fine. Yeah, I don't think you had a great Tron matchup before, anyways, right? Uh, no, it's it's an awkward matchup where the only cards that mattered were the freebooters and mages. So, like, if anything, I actually think it makes it better because the cards you cut don't matter at all. No, but when you were running the, the like where people were like going insane on like the malcontents, um, uh, metamorph or, uh, or or image package, image. like sometimes you just like you just mize them. You're like, okay, well, let's race. <laughs> well, if you're not getting like your board swept by by Tron, you're probably winning a lot of those games anyway. In my so I, yes. I think it might actively make it better. It's interesting. I mean, if that's true, then if, good, if anything, it might be a wash. But so one thing I think it's important is that it helps the deck. So the deck's now just going to curve out from like turn one to like turn five. And what happened often is the deck would like start playing one thing a turn, starting on turn four or five, especially if you had a vial because you dump everything so fast. Yeah. Now, ever draw a bugler in the late game it's just busted you're like you're already ahead and you're just way more ahead if you're at parity you bust the parity open have you ever phantasmal imaged a bugler oh i guess hitting lieutenant is also just like feels so good inside yeah well now i have a three four and all my other creatures are bigger <laughs> oh my don't get me started i'm woo, woo. dude you know, you know, it up. it's a goblin matron of the future <laughs> I love how Rob did steer you from from saying that all matchups are, are just are just better overall. Uh, Jay, any comments on on the bugler? No, 
I love the bugler. Uh, like I said, I was trying to fit it into Sahelia. I couldn't quite make it work because I don't think it hits enough good cards in my deck. But yeah, if I were playing humans, I would play four of those in the deck. Hey, you need to just play more good cards. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I would even, uh, I don't know, like I saw somebody play a fourth bridge prowler in the sideboard over their gut shots. Which also, like, if you have bugler, maybe that, that becomes like more reasonable. It's like a one-one that, when it comes into play, gives something minus one, minus one. Obviously, bad that it costs mana, whereas gutshot does not, and you cannot play it at instant speed unless you have a vial. But um, you can hit that off of a bugler. That's kind of neat. I don't know. There might be more sideboard cards now that you can like randomly try to find with your buglers. So yeah, I think that card is super good. You should definitely be playing as many as you can. Fourth, yeah. bridge, fourth bridge prowler foil is only twenty five cents. Oh, so. might have a spec here. Eighteen in stock. Get them. <laughs> I like when last week someone asked if I've uh, considered fourth bridge prowler in the main, and I spent thirty seconds googling bridge prowler. I was like, "How are you playing three already?" But uh, I actually think <laughs> they touched on a really good point about the sideboard. Is that the, it makes your sideboard better, and in modern that matters so much. Like, my sideboard is, like, got uh, Oriok Champion, Reclamation Sage, and has Gaddick Teague now instead of Damping Sphere because it stops Tron, it stops... It's not, it, doesn't, it doesn't stop Ostone, but whatever. You still board it in. It stops Tron, it stops KCI, can't engineer explosives you or cast KCI, and it stops, um, like, some of the control decks. And Storm. Storm is cold to it until they find the bounce spell, and they can't find it and then do it after, like they do with Metal Image. So... It just makes your sideboard so much better. And in modern, it makes it's it's the perfect card. I hope Bugler gets banned one day. <laughs> that would be just the icing. <laughs> it's like the tune with Aether Ban. Yeah, this one. This one will be something people look back on and are like, what the hell? <laughs> it was too much. It's just too much value. <laughs> Such a small package. What if you hit another one? <laughs> Oh, I never even thought of the case of bugling into a bugler. You just sound all the trumpets. Yeah. That's the real train. Oh, wow. Um, some, good, some good action in the chat. Shout out to Matt Nelson for all the, the cool chats. People can, can watch the video after and, and also see all the past chats as they happen, just like they can on Twitch. Um, I mean, it just seemed like you gotta play humans and. Uh, Never been more convinced. Uh, yet a lot of the, the lists that are listed in the SCG are either playing three or two copies. So, so clearly, so not widely adopted to play four. Uh, interesting to see when that happens. And uh, I couldn't buy any more. You know, SCG was out. Yeah. Or maybe they were missing all of them. <laughs> it's possible some of these people were, were missing them. Um, hmm. I wonder what, like, Rob, why do you think Infect might be good? In, uh, Andy, Andy, actually, go to Andy first. How does that matchup go again, humans against Infect? Basically, if they draw a Blighted Agent, you play a real game. If they don't, you just crush them. But, like, if they draw a Blighted Agent, you almost always lose. So it's actually just, like, super polar. If they draw a Blighted Agent, you're, you're just, like, almost completely dead. And if they don't, your game plan is so good against them. Unless they draw Rancor, too. Those are, like, the two cards that matter. Yeah, their Acre Claw Rancor plan is, like, just as bad as, as Blighted Agent, I, I think. Yeah, like, I agree. It's brutal. Match. 
And in fact, it's just like one of those decks where if you're not like the, the three, those three color like mid range control decks were like very good against that, right? They have all these nice one mana spot removal, some hand disruption, sometimes some counter magic. That, that's, that's where you want to be when you're playing against Infect. When you're just like trying to combo off on turn four, that is not, that's not where you want to be with Infect. <laughs> Even turn three, maybe if you, if you have almost like if you're just purely dedicated to combo like KCI um, or Storm, where you have very little interaction in the main, it's also just not a great spot. Uh, for KCI or for for um for these decks, like Infect is is very favored in those matchups. I used to hate playing against Infect when I was playing Bloom. It was just like such a rough match. There's almost nothing you could do uh, to make that match favorable. And I feel like in online, it's probably quite a bit different than in paper. In fact, it's probably a much better choice in paper uh, than online. If I'm Understanding what's going on based on MTG Goldfish data right now. <laughs> what were people trying to like fit in draw spells in effect, like blue blue draw spells? At some point, it was a thing. Uh, yeah, when Tom Ross was still playing Magic, he played Seer Visions one time, and then for a long time after that, people thought they should play the Seer Visions uh, in their uh, in their effect deck. I'm not sure that that was ever like. I guess maybe it makes sense uh, when you're like trying to beat up on Jund or Obzon or something like that. Those decks are popular. If you're just like trying to kill your opponent as fast as possible, that's not obviously not the not the thing you want to do. Is but wasting a blue mana. But if you're setting up for this like you know turn eight kill where everything needs to be perfect, uh, and yeah, I don't know. I guess it makes sense. I don't see it coming back given how modern it looks right now. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's one of those things where, like, if you have to play Serum Visions in your Infect deck, then probably the format is hostile toward your deck, and you should play something else, right? <laughs> I like that take. Um, moving on uh, from Modern, that's a lot of Modern content for you folks. Oh, wait, did, did they ban Jace? I forget. It's been so long since I've played Modern. Did they ban Jace yet? That was so no. good. No. Well, <laughs> uh, are you sure they didn't? Because I haven't seen it in so long. They must have. I don't see it anywhere. <laughs> Nobody's playing it. It, it. It's banned for sure. Yeah. Uh, you heard it here first. Jace is obviously banned. Doesn't nothing else make sense? Scoreboard Lombardi against Derek. <laughs> or like everyone against Derek, I think. <laughs> so, uh, this, I think Brian was one of the first that, that tweeted and complained about because he, he was messing with the card. But, but here's one of the hot topics, one of the hot... Uh, things on Reddit, Saffron Olive said, it's pretty funny to me that there's a pro tour in three days and pros might literally not be able to test with the standard legal mythic on MTGO because it's simply not available. And of course, you're talking about Nexus of Fate. Um, have you guys had to heard about this stuff or been affected by it, Andy? I've, uh, I've opened three of them in Treasure Chest, baby. That's a cool hunt. I'm I, I think wow. it's much more expensive right now than that's a cool hunt. I'll say I thought I heard like it's unable. You cannot find it unless you want to spend like sixty bucks or something. Was this evening? It's GoBots is buying them for forty-one. Oh my god! Don't tell me this. <clears throat> Sold them for thirty-five. You're welcome. Yeah. So, <clears throat> Car, you were saying that the the pros are are might be complaining that they can't get Nexus of Fate. Because you can't find it. I mean, obviously, 
you just win a bunch of leagues, then you get the treasure chest, and you just open Nexus of Fate like a boss. And he's, you know, he can give you some notes on how to do that. It seems to be pretty easy. He's already cracked three. <laughs> how hard can it be? <laughs> he's running way above expectation. <laughs> um, Jay, did you have any thoughts? I mean, it's obviously kind of sad. Like, I have you know, no idea if this card is real or if the, the, the deck that is being played with it is real. But you could imagine that with something like Teferi um, and there's some other, like, good Planeswalkers that, you know, taking extra turns with would be very good. Um, and if you want to try to see if this is actually good, if there's some sort of ramp deck or something like that, or, you know, you want to take all these different turns, the fact that you can either just not find them or the couple copies that are there are super expensive. Uh, can't imagine. Like, can you imagine if this deck is actually good and somebody top the Pro Tour with it? What, what's going to happen? Like, how are we going to get copies? Like, how are people at home going to try and play this card? Well, you just buy your boxes now and they basically become free. <laughs> It's good for the LGSs, right? Like, if yeah. Have the LGSs adjusted though their price of Dominaria boxes based on the fact that it just comes with a thirty dollars card or some garbage like that, or is it is everything still normal? I don't know. I I haven't heard of anyone adjusting the price of a box. What if it goes to (laughs) eighty? Well, I don't know. I think they're just going to be happy that they get to sell all their boxes, unlike Ixalan or whatever. (laughs) Fair enough. Oh no, I sold all my boosters. Like, what was the decision? I know it's the paper by a box promo. But oh, so, so on right. Moto, it's a treasure chest exclusive. You can only open it in treasure chests. There's yeah. actually lots of cards that are very expensive like that. There's Brightling from the new uh, whatever two-headed giant thing. It's like, it was like 80 tickets or something. There's Arcane Artisan. It was like 30 tickets. And there's just like these mythic rares that are playable in Legacy that are introduced through treasure chests. And honestly, from my point of view, it's like a really awkward spot because you kind of need these kind of things to keep the moto economy going, to have the treasure chest value stay high. But at the same time, doing that by like restricting like accessibility to these cards, it sucks, obviously. It's a bad experience, but I don't know how you do both. I don't know. I know it has the same drop rate as disallow, so maybe cracking treasure chest is correct right now. <laughs> uh, Gopots has an EV calculator that'll tell you. I mean, they're only buying treasure chest for two twenty four, so that must mean that the rest of the chest drops are just all garbage. <laughs> There's a few like uh, really expensive cards right now. Yeah, but... they probably have a drop rate of like six instead of twenty or something though. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the best way to to do it where the treasure chest values stay up because it's an important cog in the moto economy wheel. Like play points and treasure chests are the things that like sort of saved the moto economy, like uh, for the price of packs and just sewering everything else. So I think I don't know if this is the best option, but it's like it's not that bad. Other than the fact that the accessibility of Nexus of Fate so short after the release of it makes it that there's actually just not a lot of copies out there. Yeah, like, it might be better for these legacy cards because, you know, people 
play legacy they you know there's probably not not a big gp coming up you know next week or pro tour where you have to play legacy except for i guess next weekend but you know normally those legacy cards are going to introduce they've already been out in paper for i don't know how many months and then they finally add them it's just, you know there's not as much of a demand on these kind of cards but when they're doing it with standard cards might be a bigger problem Hmm. So for the other cards, were they arbitrarily decided? Because for, for Next of Fate, it, it's a buy box promo, but what about uh, the other stuff? Well, so those cards are from like the new like release set Battle Bond. That's what it is, Battle Bond. And it's like the two-headed giant thing where there's no two-headed giant thing on Moto. Like They don't release these booster boxes on Moto or packs on Moto. So it's the way to introduce those cards into the economy, and it actually... like helps the moto economy exist honestly like these kind of supplementary things coming into effect and being the only way you can get them for treasure chests is how the treasure chest value stays up and it like constantly cycles like that until like a new sort of uh, outside of a regular set release thing comes out and then the treasure chest value goes back up for a while and then it slowly weighs down and it goes back up because there's some mythics that are playable in legacy and stuff like that so i think it's kind of important but it, it does. It it sucks that it's at this cost. But I don't know. I gotta you gotta make the economy live somehow. I like. Uh, man, I only look up drop rates. I don't think I've ever looked up drop rates for MTGO cards for for ages. Uh, Rob, maybe for like when I was playing the Apple Three. I don't know. <laughs> Last time I looked up drop rates. <clears throat> well, I was I was curious to see if Watsi valued Nexus of Fate as like. Uh, a very like a chase mythic like Vendillion clique has a drop rate of three something like that or um if they saw it as like a common or like a, a rare or whatever uh, and they, they seem to just have it as like a just a normal rare like disallow or it, it, i think 20 is the most common drop rate they have in the treasure chest so it is you'll get it as frequently as anything else that you don't ever want to open which is i don't know i guess that's as good as they can do it helps me. I don't want Nexus of Fate, and, uh, and I want card prices to be as high as possible. So, <laughs> let's, let's wrap this up with some uh, core M19 limited thoughts from Rob. Um, it's not really that, as opposed to previous years, where it's like the potentially the draft format at the PT. I think, yeah, my second Pro Tour, it was Magic Origins drafts. Not really, nobody really cares about M19, but there are still people with, with some tournaments and some people have chosen to, to run their PPTQs as sealed. So Rob, early thoughts, easy format to figure out like previous course sets or not? Since Is there some intricacies that, that you notice? Yeah, I think, <clears throat> I think it's actually a little bit unintuitive. Um, the it, I think the draft form is actually not that terrible. Like the like the games are relatively interesting for the most part. There's reasonable amounts of interaction, and the archetypes are not super boring. The the big problem with it is that the screen is so miserably terrible that the replay value <laughs> of the format is is low. Uh, I just like cannot buy a three zero draft with like uh win record with any forest anywhere near my deck if i even take a green card i'll 
I'm that's it. I'm dead. <laughs> just I can max out at two one. It's it's uh it's bad. I think that blue is very clearly the best color. Almost every card uh at common is is not only like playable, they're like just good. <laughs> so uh that's nice. But I guess I don't know, that just lines up with how the formats have been for at least a couple releases. It's it's better than your average corset. It's not Dominaria though, by any stretch. I'm hoping when we go back to Ravnica, it's it's an improvement from this. If Ravnica is worse than this, then Watsi well, will be in trouble. <laughs> this is like the min- the minimum bar for for quality of of a draft format. Uh, the GP was really weird. I don't know if you did. You guys watch any of the drafts? Yeah, because no one cares about corset. Of course. <laughs> I'm gonna play one PPTQ this season at at Waypoint. It, it Vince is like the only person in the province doing sealed instead of modern. <clears throat> so I was I just want to be prepped for that, I guess. Um, but there were a lot of pros. They were on feature. They were they were drafting decks on day two in the top eight. They were just like doing. Uh, they were just making the craziest picks. Like it was insane. I saw Craig Wesco take shock over both Vinemare and. Uh, Flying Siege Rhino, whatever that thing is called. Uh, I believe there's also another better card in the pack. I can't remember what it was. But, like, Flying Siege Rhino is is just... It's so good. I don't know. It's just... <laughs> uh, he should know that Flying Siege Rhino is good. <laughs> I feel like someone just told him, like, oh, aggressive red decks are good. And he's like, yeah, cool. <laughs> I'll do that. I mean, they are. They are good. I agree, but... Did you, did you see what he 9 owed with? Uh, yeah, that deck was uh, very non-traditional for a 9-0. <laughs> I guess if he just like draws his lands and spells and curves out the whole day, I could see that deck being reasonable. Like if you can always guarantee that you're going to play a creature like turns two through five and then have an inspired charge or trouble blast or whatever he was playing, it's like okay, that that's cool. But like um, the non uh, I guess the non-preferred cases where that deck like doesn't play a creature until turn four or plays two two drops and stalls on lands, it's just like it has no ability to catch up. And I I feel that he probably got pretty lucky uh, throughout day one to end up at nine zero, and maybe his opponents got a little bit unlucky. <laughs> Need to go back to the tape. Maybe that's why he valued red so highly. He had this medium red white deck and was like, if I can nine zero with this jank. Then I should just be here. <laughs> I don't need good cards. <laughs> it's clear, right? Like, oh, how can my draft deck be any worse than this sealed piece of junk <laughs> that I went undefeated with? So it's possible that influences uh, his pick preferences. It, it left some other people with some some pretty good decks at the table. I think it was uh, uh, Kentaro or someone like that had a had like a really really good uh, control deck. Uh, in that pod, I'm pretty sure they ended up three zero with three zero ing with it. So you mean they've been drafting no sealed for you? Sorry, Have I've been, been drafting mainly, mainly drafting, but but not much sealed. Uh, I did some sealed in the beginning. The sealed format is, um, I don't know, very bad. As most sealed formats have been lately, like the the more interesting they make the draft format, like the more niche archetypes you can get into, they make draft interesting, and the more 
color pairs that work that have niche cards that actually work together to to build something that's better than some of its parts, the worse the sealed format is because like you either get a, just a mismatch of everything where like you know a fourth of your black cards go with your white cards, a fourth of your black cards go with your red cards, a fourth of your you know and it's just like okay none of these cards work together, but I have a, I just op- haven't opened a lot of black cards, um, or you're just like left with a pool that looks like a draft deck and then you just roll people. So it's like it's very um, I think the the highs and lows are, are are very are very exaggerated in this sealed format. It feels um, it is nice that the rares are not like super bomby though, so that that's not really a factor. But it would be a little bit better if the uh, I, I don't know how to solve that problem. It seems like if you have a good draft format, you're going to have a bad sealed format. So maybe that just is what it is. We kind of had that discussion last time me and Ryan were on. I think we're <laughs> trying to solve how to get rid of sealed. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, any last words, Rob? Uh, uh, wrap up the show. I drafted a really sweet blue control deck right before the cast started, so hopefully that will be trophy number seven. And uh, for for any questions, okay, Rob, you're gonna have to mute. You echo too much. Damn it! Fail. I think it's Rob. I can confirm. I can now confirm it's Rob. Um, so if you have any questions for Rob, or unless I'm also echoing myself, uh, you can uh, definitely message him or tag him in the First Strike Nation group. Uh, Jay, before we, we end the show, anything you want to plug? Uh, how is Epic or Star Realms doing? What's the, what's the hottest thing on your end? Um, well, uh, so yes, didn't expect to get the plug product, but... Uh... So I work for White Wizard Games, which is why KYT is asking me this, I think. Um, we make various card games. Epic Card Game, which is a very interesting like uh, draft, like a cube draft in a box product. costs $15, and then uh, you just get the draft one-on-one. Um, we're making a digital app for it, which is kind of cool. And I'm currently in a hotel room at Gen Con, a uh, big uh, gaming convention in the U.S., to uh, try and sell some more of our products, including Star Elves and Hero Elves, which are deck-building games. We have a big release coming for Star Elves Frontiers, which is a million-dollar Kickstarter. So lots of cool stuff happening there. Uh, that's what I'll be uh, be doing this week. Sorry, I had, to, I had to look look it up. So, so the latest and greatest thing that's about to come out is Star Realms Frontiers. Yeah, yeah, that's the the, the new Star Realms release. It's a new, they call base game. So it's something you can play by itself. Um, it's a deck building game, kind of like a Dominion or Ascension, if you know those games. Ascension, like what, what Brian Kibler worked on. Uh, all our games are made by Magic Hall of Famers. Uh, Darwin Castle and Rob Doherty are the the owners of the company. They're pretty good at making uh, games that Magic players tend to enjoy. So if you want to try something out, all the games are pretty cheap. But they're not collectible, so there's no Nexus of Fate promos that you have to buy for $60 on MTGO. Uh, just any card you want, you can just buy in a store or at conventions or on the website, etc. Yeah, I'm hearing it's a, it's a standalone product, but you can also be combined with the, with the other one. 
Yeah, yeah. So you can build kind of like a like you build a cube. You can mix and match cards. Uh, you can mix and match expansions to make your own kind of game experience, uh, depending on the things that you enjoy. More variants, less variants, more card types. You can kind of mix and match uh, the the whole uh, whole set that you play with. Sweet, sweet. Because I because I played the original on my phone quite a bit. Enjoyed it. It's one of the few apps, card-based apps that my girlfriend, my wife now, my wife liked. Uh, she was not she's not a fan of Hearthstone and all that stuff, but she thought Star Realms was pretty cool. Yeah. Star Realms pleases just about everyone. Uh, I can, at Gen Con, we just talk to random people and ask them if they want to play a game, and like 95% of the time they walk away buying Star Realms. Uh, it's really, it's easy to play. It's free to download on your phone, on Steam. So you want to give it a give it a whirl. Um, I would suggest doing that, and then if you like it, check out some of the other products. Uh, so we uh, we have some we have some good games. Um, we're we're face to face games.com, so we stock a bunch of games. So it's cool it's cool Jay to talk about other games. You know we got Yu Gi Oh, we got Pokemon in the house. Um, <laughs> Andy, what's what's coming up for you? Well, uh, like we've alluded to, I've uh, recorded a, a video. Uh, talking about Militia Bugler and Humans, so hopefully that comes out soon. And other than that, I because I won a PPTQ so early, I just get the summer off. Um, I How forget. lucky. Which one of us are, are also fighting game enthusiasts? Because uh, Evo is this weekend as well, right? What the heck? It's Gen Con and Evo and the Pro Tour? What the heck? How can you... How can, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. Jay? Yeah, what's he? It seems to do this every time. Like all the Pro Tours are during like big gaming conventions. This is why, you know, Rob and Darwin, despite being in the Hall of Fame, haven't attended the Pro Tour in quite a while because, you know, it keeps being during giant other events. And I don't know whose idea it could have been us. So I, I'm sorry for, for whoever is supposed to get the blame for this, but Nationals on Canada Day, that, that was a huge misplay as well. Uh, it could have been us. It could have been Watsi. I, I think it was Watsi, but I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to <laughs> blame anybody. Just hopefully next year that won't happen again. So these dates, I mean, hey, I'm 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 likely gonna watch a lot of Evo this weekend. So I'm um, gonna plug our for Strike Nation, Jonathan Good, Jay Thomas, Ian, Sasha Papel, Derek White, Matthew Kelly. Thank you so much for your constant support, everyone in the nation. Uh, if you would, if you like our show uh, that we put. Uh, time in to do every week as long as well as answering questions in our Facebook group. You can go to uh, patreon.com slash first strike to see how you can contribute. Um, if you're just a fan, you can contribute a dollar. Keeps us going, keeps keeps the show rolling. And uh for really happy to get Rob back and get a bunch of classic brands. Thank you so much Jay for coming on. Andy, as always, my man, I'm gonna play some militia buglers and burgers because of you. So uh, for all of us, thanks for tuning in, especially guys in chat that was actively participating. Matt Nelson and Scott S. Thank you so much. And if you like the show, subscribe to YouTube, give us a thumbs up, and we'll see you next Tuesday night, hopefully with someone that did well at the Pro Tour. So let's do that. Bye, guys. Bye.